And now, here's your host of Shaping Success, Wes Tankersley. All right, let's try this again. Hey, I am Wes Tankersley. I'm your host of Shaping Success. On this episode, we have an awesome guest. His name is Ryan Slate. Uh, before we get to that, just want to do a little clean up here, a little bookkeeping, just let you know that we just hit 20K on TikTok and um, we're putting out a lot of merchandise. We have some stickers, some shirts, some things like that. If you're interested in getting some of that stuff, hit me up. The links will be in the show notes. I really appreciate you being here and looking forward to this growing more and more. Uh, hope that you are having an awesome day. And with that, here is Jeremy. What's happening, man? Man, thanks for having me here. Uh, stoked to hang out today. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I know we talked a little bit beforehand, but you know, this is kind of an organic conversation that I like to have with people and how they kind of chase their dreams. I listened to a little bit of an episode of maybe about five minutes of an episode of a podcast that you're on and just know that for some reason, I always end up talking to people who, you know, kind of are on the same path as me and kind of think, you know, that what, you know, success is generated by you and you decide and define what that is. So tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah. So when I was 13 years old, I looked in a mirror seven times a day and told myself I was going to be successful. And that's all it took. That was it. I was done. No, I'm, I'm, that's BS. <laughs> um, no, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I didn't really know, like, what I wanted to do with my life. You know what I mean? Um, I come from two parents that my, my dad didn't finish high school and actually went back and got a GED later. And he's one of the hardest working individuals I've ever met in my life. And, you know, I've learned a lot of my work ethic from him. Um, my mom had a full ride for architecture to, to college and ended up not going because um, her dad um, was suffering for cancer her junior and senior year. And uh, she ended up having to raise her brother. Um, so she didn't go to college. So it was I, I come from two really, really hardworking people that had to make a lot of sacrifices. So I knew how to work hard. I didn't know that like, you know, there was anything more than that, right? Like, it, I don't remember my dad making more than $40,000 until I was like in, in eighth grade. So yeah. I learned how to work hard. I always learned that money was scarce. There wasn't much out of it. You can't find it. You got to claw to get it. And if you could make $100,000, that was kind of the be all end all. So, you know, of course, then I was looking for jobs where I could make $100,000. So like, oh, that, because that was that was what you do, man. Right. So I ended up uh, going to college um, for uh, a degree in Catholic theology. Don't, don't even get me started. Um, and I, I, then I actually studied literature at, uh, at Oxford University, came back and got my master's uh, in ancient history. Once again, like these are not very applicable things, and I would not recommend people do these unless they like want to have some fun in their spare time. Um, <laughs> and I, I came back and I was like, okay, uh, what am I going to do? Okay, maybe I'll join the state police. Yeah, the state police makes $100,000 a year. Um, oh, wow, wow. I do not have the makeup to do that job. So, okay, let me try being a teacher. Okay, teachers do well. Oh, no, they don't. They make like 18 grand. <laughs> so I was like miserable teaching high school for a couple years. And this school had just gotten rid of um, like grades. They got rid of grades. So like, oh, you know, yeah. like we all win. It's all fine as long as we play. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And so like you had no classroom management, like projectiles were flying across the room. And this is like a, a Catholic school that people were paying like, you know, $15,000 for kids to go there. This was, this was crazy. And I burned out really quickly. In 2012, my mom ended up having a bad stroke. And it made me look at like what I'm doing in my life. I'm like, Jesus, do I want to do this for another 40 years? And the answer was no. I didn't know what the answer was. So I, I tried just about anything. I quit my job on a whim with no plan. And I tried network marketing. I tried in-home personal training. I tried door-to-door -door sales. 
I what what else did I do? I did uh, life insurance. I sold products on Amazon. I built websites, and eventually I ended up working at a friend's marketing firm. Started a podcast as a hobby that absolutely took off, um, and really just led me to everything I'm doing now, which is which is kind of wild, man. Because as I said, it has nothing to do with kind of my education, my background, other than like I've loved this platform since like you know 2007 uh, as a listener, and it's taken off for me personally. So essentially what you're, so you, you have your own, you have your own brand, right? That you're, yeah. you're marketing. Um, and it came from just, just from podcasting. Is that pretty much where it came from? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I, I started the, the create your own life podcast, uh, back in 2015 and, and that the, the idea wasn't like I sat down and like thought of what my perfect avatar was and like designed this, this title for them. It was literally like, Sit, I'm talking to my dad. I just quit my job, and he go and I, I was actually mowing his lawn for him because I literally had nothing better to do. And he goes, "Well, what's the plan, son?" I'm like, "I don't know, Dad. I want to create my own life." And he's like, "Good luck, buddy." And uh, that was that. That's kind of where the title came from because I held on to that, and, and you know, right. it's kind of still that funny joke between us. Um, but it we had ten thousand listens in our first month, and what ended up happening is a lot of these people that thought I was crazy from all these years I was trying to make all these different things go right were like, "Oh." okay, he's onto something now. What is this? And I started getting asked for help by like small business owners. So we actually started an agency that produced podcasts for people. And one of the things we do- did before producing the podcast, or well, getting the podcast out there was putting people on other shows. It's kind of like a, hey, there's this podcast exists. I'm gonna do an interview. You should go back and check out my podcast. Right. And we put together some great shows for people. But what we found is our clients were really interested in just going on other shows and building their brand that way. So we've focused on, you know, building that agency since, since 2016. It's crazy because I started this, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny listening to the story that you have because it's mine is essentially the kind of a carbon copy, uh, kind of, <laughs> I mean, I started out, I'm, you know, I'm 42 and I ended up working at a tire store for 11 years because I flunked out of college the first time. Then I hurt mm. my knee and then I went back to college and actually did really well. Got a bastard. I tore my ACL, PCL, meniscus. By the way, that's a fun one. So I don't know what you did to your knee, but man, I shredded that. <laughs> so I've never had like the meniscus. I've torn meniscus, but yeah, I just yeah. had my knee replaced in November because I had Ooh, no cartilage left luck. in it. Good and luck I've to you, it. man. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bad. I'm 42, so I I prolonged it since I was 32. So that was kind of the nice sure. thing. But I was in education. It was the same thing. It was like I got two degrees. One one in the both in education and do nothing with them. I did it for four yeah. years and it just was, it was one of those things. It was like, this is, it was kind of a waste of money, but everything that I do, I feel like there's reasoning behind it and it made me a better person. So that was be- it because you like got into the field and you didn't like it or you could, you, you didn't get into the field or cause like me, I got into the field. And I'm like, this is crazy. I can't do this. Like what was, what, what was your kind of experience on it? Well, so, you know, I was a PE teacher. Um, I was re- a, I was a pretty good athlete in high school. And, um, sure. I thought, you know, I wanted to coach and I wanted to make a difference in lives because that's kind of what defined me. You know, I had a really good football coach in high school and he was the guy who made me, you know, a lot of the things that I do are because of him. And, you know, I've read a couple of books, like I was listening to score takes care of itself the other day by Bill Walsh. And it's like this, mm-hmm. like, if this book wasn't around when he was coaching, but he's doing a lot of the same things that Bill Walsh yeah. did. So you, you kind of know where those things come from, but, um, you know, you, I showed up and I started teaching and, um, things were just different. You know, I coached baseball and I was, I was a PE coach and, and kids didn't have to dress down and kids didn't have to get grades. Just like you said, we'll throw out the grading system. Let's not have a grading system because it hurts people's feelings. And you can't base education on that because now we're teaching a bunch of kids that they don't have to do what they have to do. You know, they don't have to this learn. This is kind of like the, the single biggest thing I find myself like 
talking about in conversations right now. Like I've, I've had four conversations like in the last two days about this, like just, just podcasts personally, like education is so backwards right now, man. Like right. if you look at it, like we're, we're educating kids in the wrong things or educating them nothing at all to pass a test because the tests are what teacher salaries are based on and right. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, number one, like that shouldn't be the case for teachers because it doesn't show that the kids can do something. So it sucks for them. Right. But yeah. at the same time, like we're getting kids that come out of school that like they, they can't do anything. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, you know how to do this. That's a whole nother can of worms. Oh yeah. Hold that's, on. Hold on. Let me, let me take a picture of yeah. myself. Like, but it's like, if you look at it, like, I think the trades have had it right for a really long time, like because they have this period of an apprenticeship and that's where you work under somebody to get the skills. And it also works as, you know, it works as a period of discernment. Like, oh my God, I love being a plumber. This is incredible. I could see myself doing this or dear God, I could not do this for another 20 years. So it helps you to do that, but also get the skills. We kind of need that after high school and between college, because you'll find that probably 80% of people won't go to college because they'll find the career they don't need to go to college to do. Yeah, in education, so anyway, the thing. I, 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 that, sorry, I took you off the off the path. Oh no, here. <laughs> you're you're right on it. We're right on the same thing because I think that, like you said, we know that as as teachers, we got that in the field experience when you student taught. Right, that's when you learn mm-hmm. the most. You didn't learn the most from sitting in classes and listening to someone tell you how to do something. You learned it by doing that and like putting in that that system that allows kids to be successful is really what it takes. But when you're getting that taken away because you like you said, teachers have to. They get paid based on their performance, and their performance is based on test scores. And and when you do that, you know there are kids who don't care because their grade isn't based on that test score. Their grade is based on what they do in your classroom. So they can walk in and they can take that test and just push a button, a a a a a, and not care. And yeah, and then your job can and be. It's, it's, you un, didn't it's do unfair your job. on both sides. It's unfair yeah. on both sides because like as a teacher, like you're your salary or your, your livelihood shouldn't be dependent on like if a group of kids can pass a test because right. that test doesn't tell me like, are they proficient? Are they able to do it? it just tells me they, they memorize something or they learned how to take a test. Cause it's also a skill to how to take a test. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, that's, I, I'm going to tell you right now, that's how I got through college. Was I a bad teacher? No, I was a very good teacher, but I learned how to pass that test because that's all you had to do. You had to figure out how to mm-hmm. pass a test. You had to fill in the right squares and, and check those boxes. And then you get a piece of paper that's worth a lot of money but not really. Well, you, and that's what's interesting about like, like as a, my, I have like a history education, as I mentioned, like that's what I did in grad school. Like that, the thing that's kind of interesting about that is you don't have tests. You have many, 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 many long ass papers. Right. So like you have to show that you, the, that that's the, as I said, I don't really, I guess in some ways I do use it. Cause like I was watching something today and it was like, they were talking about something political and I was like, ah, Emperor Caracalla did that a thousand years ago. And I could tell you what happened because of that. Um, but like, it, 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 those I, I had to actually show that I knew something, you know what I mean? And, and understood right. a concept and had to explain it. And that's how I got graded. Yeah. I think I kind of know the answer to this, but I want to just kind of hear your take on it because sure. you talked about it a little bit. I, you know, college, college was something that, and I, I'm not sure how you are, how old you are, but I'm 42, but I feel like in I'm 35, 35. So I'm, not, okay, I'm, so we're, you know, I'm like, not that, that much younger than you. We're, we're in a similar decade, I guess. Yeah. And we were still in that era. Like when I feel like it was like, George, George W., Barack Obama, you know, a little bit of Clinton was everyone needs to go to college. So we're going to make this so everyone can go to college. And now yeah. everyone's gone to college and they can't find a job. I mean, and, and you and yeah. I have both been down that road. It's like, hey, let's go to college. Let's figure it out. And the necessity of it is not that big. I mean, would you have done it again? <sighs> so here's the here's the thing I, I 
I did. So here, here's the, the, I have two different viewpoints on this and, and, and there's, there's one I'll mention, like, um, I guess in some ways I love all the knowledge I got in, in school and in grad school and everything else. Um, I hate the debt that I had to pay off it at an exorbitant, like exorbitant rate. That was kind of crazy. Um, but like, I still am actually friends with the professors I had then. Like I still like, um, I discovered podcasting because of a professor, um, like things like that. But then I look at it on the other side and it's like, I think for most people, um, you know, I probably could have done it with or without college because everything I'm doing now, like I, I don't need it, right? Like I'm self-taught. Like I think if you look at a lot of successful people, that their best teacher's experience, it's things they've done. And I, I think there's too much attention on like, you know, what degrees do you have? Where have you went to school? Whatever it may be, because the, the issue we're running into right now is number one, there's too much easy money for school. And if you want to start a business, you can't get that same money. Right. And because of that, every, you know, everybody went to, to undergrad, you know, when I, when I was in college, then what happened? Well, to separate yourself, everybody goes to grad school. Okay. Well, now everybody's went to grad school. What do you do now? Well, I guess you get a PhD, right? Like it becomes like a battle of like degrees. And I feel like college now is kind of like what high school used to be, if that makes sense. It, it's, it, it kind of feels like at certain points, it's almost unnecessary because some of these things could be hand, they could have been educated differently and earlier in life. If that, does right. that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I think that the fact of the matter is, is that we just, we just keep adding to it and you can do a lot of the things that with a degree that you don't have to have a degree. I remember when my dad was, you know, my dad, my dad did finish high school, but he started college and, and didn't finish that. He went into, you yeah. know, he told us, Hey, don't ever go into manual labor. Cause that's what he did because you're going to be stuck in it forever or you're not going to get any further. Well, he was one of those people who started out as a mechanic working for a guy in a grape vineyard and worked on tractors and things like that. And then the guy saw that he was such a good worker that he made him a supervisor. And then he became a supervisor of another place. And I mean, moved along, didn't have a degree, but all the skills that he learned doing all those things to me, he should have an honorary degree. I mean, he has mm -hmm. got that life experience and those things that all those people do. And I bet you he could have passed every single class that they offered just by getting the experience. And so, you know, he, you know, what's interesting is my dad was quite similar, actually, like, um, like, and he started in the machine shop at a company and like the company would like offer these, like, um, like, oh, there's going to be a Dale Carnegie course here. Who wants to take it? And everybody'd be like, yeah. well, that's stupid. I'm not gonna take it. My dad'd be like, oh, that sounds like a good opportunity. I got nothing to do this weekend. Let me go, let me go do that. So every time they like, offered something free, he took it. And by the time he realized that he started becoming more different than the people he worked with, and all of a sudden he was their boss. Like it's, you, you take opportunities where you can get them, man. Right. And I mean, it's, it's really dependent on how hard you want to work. I think that a lot of people like you want to be a teacher, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you have to go to school to figure that out. If you're going to do something different, you know, like a trade skill or whatever, you don't have to do that. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I started out making $38,000 a year as a teacher and making like, Ooh, you made a lot more than me, man. I made $18,000 a year teaching when I first got out of school. <laughs> what state was that in? That's it's really New Jersey and it's private school, which is not much better than indentured servitude. So like private school, like they charge a lot, but they pay the teachers very little and they expect you to work double the number of hours. It's still crazy though. Like, I mean, you're talking about like, you know, I need to find a job where I can make a hundred thousand dollars. I would never make a hundred thousand dollars teaching. Never. No. Because it maxes out at 78,000 here and you get a thousand yep. a year. And if you get your master's, you'll make 5,000 more than what, what the standard bachelor's will get you. And it's just like, it would have never been that way. And I was, and I, I got the paper for my master's degree. And a couple of days later, I was like, 
I'm done. Not doing this anymore. It's not worth it. Yep. I'm never going to be able to have more than what I have by doing this. It's going to be stuck with it. If I coach, I could make $2,000 more for spending, you know, months on end coaching and it just wasn't worth it. So the hardest part is like kind of betting on yourself. Like when you said that you just quit school, I mean, you kind of had a different, you had a little different. If you're making $18,000 a year, it's like, well, what do I got to lose? (laughs) You know, that's well, that, well, that's the thing. I'm looking at it and I got friends that like at, the, at that point in time, like I, I have a different class of friend now. Uh, right. But like at that point in time, I had friends that were working at like, you know, Burger King and they're like, yeah, I make twenty five thousand dollars a year. And I'm like, dude, I'm working one hundred and twenty hours a week right. with kids throwing projectiles at me. And like I make 18 grand. Like, what the hell, man? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like there's never there's never anything. So you have to decide like whether you want to. I mean, it's kind of like I'm sure you've read Rich Dad to Poor Dad, but it's like yeah. you decide if you're going to live with something. And I had this conversation with my wife the other day. It's like you decide if you're going to live with something where you have an opportunity to make the same, stay at the same level your whole life, have a good retirement, have, you know, all those things, but never be any further than what you are. Or you decide that you're going to bet on yourself and you're going to hope that whatever you do, you put as much of everything you have into it and you make more. And it became a, I switched from a guaranteed thing to a hundred percent commission job. Now I'm a salesman and I'm going to make way more money than I've ever made before. You know, I mean, I, it, it just, it depends. You have to be willing to take that risk. And I don't think a lot of people are willing. Well, it's, it's even that, like you have to be able to, to risk like good enough for like what you could have. Like I knew even the, the first version of the company I have now, um, you know, was called Get Featured Media and we had another partner and like, we weren't really like getting along. Like, you know, he wanted to make the company an app and I really, I think the human touch is important. I really want to keep it more of an agency style and things like that. So it was really hard to quit that. And I was making like no money at that point in time, which is funny because I was still making like you know, close to a hundred grand, which is way more than that, that $18,000 I was talking right. about. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I was like, well, this is the most I've ever made in my life. Can I quit this? Can I, what, what can I do? So, you know, I quit and we started the agency we have now and it's way better. You know, we're making, you know, way more money than I've ever made in my life. I'm making more impact. I'm having, you know, more fun with my family. But at the same time, like I had to look at that situation, like this is the most money I've ever made in my life. Like, can I cut this off? Right. Like, and, and right. if you look at that, like you wouldn't have anything you had now. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, 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 it's crazy because you know, like we were looking at like our first house that we bought and we we're looking at $114,000 home and that's yeah. what we bought. And Idaho was a really good price at the time. Now it's crazy because so many people are moving here from California and Washington and all these surrounding states God, that are like, God, God bless you, man. Those Californians tend to bring everything with them. They can, they can just stay there. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah I, I have my own thoughts on that. <laughs> but, my friends in Texas are like, when we meet people from California, we say, great, go back. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the thing. Like I, I made a, I made a post on uh, TikTok the other day that like I, I have a hard time because my whole message is positivity. It's like you can find yeah. a positive thing in anything that there is. And those people are leaving. Absolutely. Here. I was born there, but I moved here when I was, well, I moved to Ontario, Oregon, which is across the border. It's like 60 miles away when yeah. I was 10 years old. And I was thinking about it. It's like, I didn't have a choice in that. And you're bashing these people. And this is just, you know, and I'm not, that's kind of what the thing is though. It's like these Californians, you know, that's all it is. And it's like, Think about yeah. those kids that are here, that are here against their choice. You know, like they wanted to stay yeah, there. They absolutely. wanted to leave. They didn't want to leave their friends. I mean, I think about myself as a 10-year-old kid. It's like the m- number one important thing is my family's here. My friends are here. These are the people that I interact with. I don't really care about, 
you know, the it's quality a, it's of a, life. Same reason I'm still in, in New Jersey, right? Like, I don't agree with a lot of things here, but dude, I, I love it here. My family's here. You know what I mean? It's the yeah. reason I haven't left. Right. And that's the thing. It's those poor kids are, they're here and they're going into school every single day and they're hearing from these damn Californians. You know, it's like, it just, it drives me nuts. It's like, it's not really, I get it. They're here because they want a better life, but they do. You're right. Yeah. There are some that bring that stuff with them and, and that's, you know, that's not what we're looking for, but we can't sit there and just totally tear them no, down. No, it, it, you can't kind of you can't kind of make a blanket statement on that. But I, I it, that was in jest, so I apologize if I yeah, no, and I'm not again. Like I said, it's funny that we're talking about that because it's it's right in what I'm. You know, it's it's one of those deals. Like I've invested a lot of time into um, into TikTok because I like these little short videos that I can just say whatever I yeah. want, and I don't. It's unscripted. You know, it's funny. I see I follow Gary V, and and he's did something today. It's like. The most thing that people do is they just don't do it. You know, like that's the biggest problem with yeah. growing anything is they don't do it. And I posted something like the new, something about the new trend is this is a new trend, just like being from Idaho. And it's got like over 10,000 views and it's going and going and going and people are commenting. And then I get like three or four people are like, we're full. Someone tagged me in a uh, video today and it said, stay the F out. And it was a picture of Idaho wow. and they tagged me because of the post that I made. And I was just like, man, this is just. I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I get it. People are, some of them are coming out of there because they don't want to be there, but you're right. You know, yeah. don't bring, don't bring that because remember why you came here. Right. And I'm sure New yeah, Jersey is the think, same way. Yeah. I think that can be the difficult thing of it as well, because I think, you know, I think in a lot of areas, like as a country, like we're charged up in a lot of ways. And I think right. like when that happens, it gets difficult to like have conversations and figure out like, well, this is what I think. This is what you think. Where's the middle ground? Like we've lost middle ground. And I think that's really, really tough because then you, you, you can't, you kind of refuse to see the other person's viewpoint. Right. Um, and I feel like as an interviewer, that is the single skill I've worked on the most um, is trying to figure out how to ask questions from the viewpoint of the person I'm sitting across from. Right. Because when you do that, you can actually learn a lot about people, man. It's, it's pretty incredible, but we've, I think we've started to lose that. And, you know, the sad part is I think social media has made it even worse, right? Like, right. because when you were growing up and I was growing up, like, you know, people believe certain things, you know, right or left or whatever. And I think we just kind of hung out with our neighbors. Now it's like really hard. And I think we've been kind of charged up by all the, the what we consume every day. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. I think that what happens is that we, it's all in the forefront now, right? Because there's an yeah. easy way to make it in the forefront. And the funny thing about it is that you see, because back to that post, there was like three people who did this, but there's, you know, eight, a thousand people who are like, I'm from here and proud, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I mean, yeah. it's the same thing with the state of the country. It's that's where we're at right now. It's if you, we can't have a conversation. That's saying don't right. solve anything, man. You're wearing a, a hat right now. And pe if, you know, if you're watching this on a YouTube, you see this, but like, if you're listening on the podcast, you're wearing a hat with the United States flag on it. That's something that I'm proud of. Right. Yeah. But if you, if you, it's almost like I've, I've walked into rooms where people say that makes me ashamed to see that flag. And it's like, are you kidding me? But it's even that is like, is like, it's, it's weird because just like wearing the hat, people think it's a political statement. It's like, no, it's yeah. just where I live, man. I love my country. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is. It's like, this is, this, we were taught that, you know, to salute the flag. This is our flag. This is who we are. This is our country. We're proud of who we are. And you can't have the rights and the things that you have without that flag, because that was the symbol of this country when it started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you uh, mentioned a little bit earlier and I, this is on my mind. I, I, you, I, I feel like I took you on a, a, a long no. uh, wormhole there, man. <laughs> no, we're good. This is exactly, this is, this is I, I, 
I honestly, like when I was listening to the five minutes that I was listening, I was like, this is exciting because you are a podcaster. This is what you do. You interview people just like I do. And obviously you've been doing it for a lot longer, so you're pretty damn good at it. You're a good interview and I enjoy, enjoy actually having a good conversation with someone. So, um, not that I haven't had good conversations with other ones, but I I know what you're saying, like, like somebody that can kind of keep up with you in some ways. Yep, exactly. Um, you had mentioned earlier that your professor was who brought you into one of your professors was who brought you into podcasting. What does he think about you doing this for a living instead of teaching? Oh, he loves it because he's not teaching anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he, uh, he's a, he's a great dude. Um, and like he got passed over for tenure, which I thought was crazy because he was the teacher. Everybody loved, everybody took his classes there. He, there was never enough of his classes to take. There was always like a waiting list to take them because uh-huh. like, you got like, and number one, he was just cool. It was like, it was like having Neil Patrick Harris teach you history because the guy was hilarious. And you like felt like you got out. You're like, wow, I understand this. Like, like I loved history, but I loved it even more because of that teacher. So he actually started his own tourism company where he takes people like, uh, like different countries and like, um, like, you know, tells them the history of it and stuff. I know like COVID kind of made it a little bit harder to do that. Um, but, um, I don't know. Cause we talk from time to time. I don't know um, if he's back doing any teaching now, but I know like he had left the, the profession for a while. I think that's interesting because my guess, you know, just listening to that is that, cause this is the way that I feel like I left teaching, but I'm still teaching. This is teaching to me. Your podcast is teaching. I, yeah. I'm guessing to you. Um, he In is the probably, way I want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And he's probably teaching those people in his tourist company about the places that he's going and what they're doing. Right. I mean, that would be my guess. If he's taking yeah, people, it's, is it's, that what he's doing? Yeah, he, ta- he would take them on trips and he'd be like, all right, so we're going to go to southern France and we're going to learn all about, you know, uh, you know, the, the the Languedoc and, you know, like the French and Spanish culture because like they're kind of intertwined there. It's like, yeah, he's he's a cool dude. Yeah. And that's that's what I like about it is like I started out doing my podcast like in the beginning. It was called what would we call it? I can't remember what we called it, but I was, it was going to be interview like local businesses and that's what I was going to do. Yeah. And then I realized that I was just being inspired by these entrepreneurs and these people like yourself who are doing this and they're making something. And I just decided, you know what, we're going to change it. We're going to talk about how they got there, what it is to them, because I mean, in, in your own way, you are successful. Success isn't created by me or you. Well, it is created by me. My success is your success is created by you. And, and, and that's really what it, what it boils down to. Well, and I, I think that's, what's really interesting. Like, like in the personal development world. Um, Cause I have a couple different viewpoints on this. I think when you're early on, like you kind of need a lot of that stuff, right? Because maybe you need some confidence or you kind of don't right. know where you're going. But I think at a certain point you realize that that stuff's more like rah-rah. Like I, like I am a big believer of you do get what you put your attention on. And like, if you right. put your attention on positive things, you'll get more positive things. Like, yes, that's to it, to a, to it, to an extent. But I think at the same time, like I think people forget about the action component. Like you can keep going to every conference, you can read every book, you can do everything, but unless you do anything, unless you take any action, you're, you're, it's, you know, like that's, that's where you get the most. Like I've, I've learned the most from, from running a business and having to learn yeah. how to hire and having to learn like, you know, man, why does the government, uh, tax me at such a level that I could actually hire two more people in employment tax? Like, like right. learning all these things that I need to know in order to run a business. I've learned so much more from that stuff and doing it than I did like going to these conferences and stuff like that. But I think, as I said, early on, I think you need it. But I think for some people, it becomes like, um, like almost an addiction, right? Like it's, right. it's almost like their, their alcoholism or, or something like that, where they can't put it down. 
Yeah, well, and I think that's a great point because I think that what happens, like you said, is like, for me, this is how it was for me. At first it was like, you know, I'm listening to Gary Vee and he's telling me, you know, do this, do this, do this. And then now I'm starting to take the action. And once you start taking that action, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time. I listen to a couple, I listen to the same two or three every single day, but I used to listen to yeah, like 20 man. of them. Um, yeah. you know, and I used to go and say, Hey, you know, you listen to mine, tell me what you think. I'll listen to yours. You tell me what you think. And and then you find that group and you narrow it down. And now you're around all these people who are telling you what the quality is, what they would do differently, but you're not like seeking out 20 books for how to podcast because now you have a pretty good understanding of it and you're starting to niche it down and narrow it down and figure out mm-hmm. what you need to do to make it better. Yeah, and I because I, th- I I think as I said at a certain point like you're still always educating yourself right because right. if you if you ever stop like that's just stupid like yep. you should be educating yourself but I think you don't reach for as much because number one you get to a certain point and you realize okay like these books are great but how what person can I find that's going to help me cut the learning curve right like right like who can I hire what what can I do to cut the learning curve whether it's a coach whether it's a consultant whatever it may be um, I think that's one part of it. I think the other part about it is, is you, you get to a certain point and you learn from your own mistakes, like, or what you've done right, right or what you've done wrong and, and things like that. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of things like a lot of, that's what I like about like what I'm posting, you know, on TikTok is like, I think that what this is for me, what it's turned into for me is it's a learning experience. It's to help that person take that first step. Like you were talking about no action, nothing happens. Take, take the action, write it down, start moving forward, start doing those things And then you end up finding out, you know, like I read 20 books in the beginning of this whole situation where I started to get myself down the line. And I realized that it's great to read these books over and over again. But guess what? All 20 books pretty much have the same message. Do it. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Well, that's the main reason um, I had a book come out in June called Unremarkable to Extraordinary. That's that's the main reason I wrote it because I just got so frustrated with every single personal development book in there. And I think in the book, I say, this is the last personal development book I want you to read Um, because like... I, I wanted to show people like it take act takes action. It's ugly. It's bloody. It's sweaty. It's whatever it is. It's, it's going to get you there for some people. It's a really long time for others. It's not, you know, like I am a huge, I'm a, I'm a green Bay Packers fan lifelong, but I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. Um, and this is why, you know, you look at him and, you know, Jennifer Osara high school in California, barely starts his senior year, um, university of Michigan. He competes with drew Henson because drew Henson couldn't figure out if he wanted to play for the Yankees or not. He's senior year. Um, then he gets drafted in the sixth round only plays cause Drew Bledsoe literally almost dies on the field when Mo Lewis hit him. I don't think anybody actually realized how serious that injury was Yeah, and he gets to play. You know why? Cause he watched film for hours. He learned throwing techniques for hours. And I think people don't see the value in that stuff. Right. Right. You look at, you look at like most first round draft picks. There's very few of them that pan out. There's very few of them that are, you know, one number one overall picks or people like that, like, you know, Ryan Leaf or somebody like that. Right. But you look at like Peyton Manning, um, and I think well, he's number two the year he's drafted in, in 98, but you look at somebody like that and he's actually like an outlier because yeah. he actually got all the experience of his dad, Archie being all these terrible teams for years. There's so much value in learning from losing because when you're when you're the best all the time and your whole life people have told you they're the best and oh you're so awesome and you're so great and everything else well you get to the NFL everybody's good you know what I mean it's it's yeah. then what do you have in your heart and what do you have in your head that's gonna make you better and that's super important I mean I've, I listened to Tom Brady on an interview and I was just like man this guy is he's like Michael Jordan it's the same thing it's like you have a choice you can you can be and I'm <laughs> I'm not a fan of LeBron but you look at LeBron LeBron pulls in all these people around him to make his team better. And Michael Jordan. I saw took a great meme had. about that recently. 
I saw a great meme about that recently. They had a side by side with Jordan and uh, and him, and it was like uh, you know number of of max contract players around him, and it was like LeBron had like three, Jordan had none, like you know what I mean, like yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. It's like you people will you surround those people. I mean, you look at Brady. Brady went to Tampa Bay and won the Super Bowl. What second season he was there because he yeah. took the people around him and elevated them up to his level, and they wanted to work like him and they wanted to be like him and guess what happens? Same thing with Jordan. He elevates those people. He Pippen was good, right? He made Pippen better. Mm-hmm. Um, Horace Grant was good. He made Horace Grant better. He, he didn't in, he wasn't hanging out. He wasn't taking, well, I don't know. Scotty, I read Scotty Pippen's book and he says that he would take days yeah, They don't off, get along but, now from what I've heard. I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, I but mean, it's but interesting, they, right? Because you look at, you look at world-class players and they make other people better. And I right. think that's what it really says. Like yet yeah, LeBron's a great individual player. But there's a reason he doesn't have seven championships. You know, right. there's a reason. Is it six or seven? Jordan has. I know he's got. The, he's got somewhere in that range. But I'm two, saying there's two, a reason two, he doesn't have yeah. that many. When you look at it, yeah. um, I'm I'm a huge Yankees fan, right? Um, you look at somebody like Garrett Cole, great individual performer. But I'll tell you what, you know, when that Yankees team got good, when they went out and got Anthony Rizzo, because right. Anthony Rizzo makes everybody around him better. And I think that is the type of players you need in your locker room, on the field, on the team. Right. Yeah. That's. I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a huge Giants fan. So I get what you're saying. Like, I mean, Hunter Pence on the Giants when he was there, it was just like, it's a different team. They yes. elevate and they bring that, they bring that in and people Hunter see that. Hunter Pence brought heart and soul to every, every single game. You know, yeah. DJ LeMay, he was a similar guy. You know, he's going to get on base somehow. He doesn't care if you got to hit him. He doesn't care if he's got to hit you. He doesn't care because that is when people see you play like that, you know, it's, that's why, um, you know, was it two years ago? Uh, Aaron Boone uh, benched uh, Glaber Torres for a week because the guy didn't run out of thing to first base. He goes, I can't right. just have other people seeing that. Leadership works hard all the time. Right, exactly. And that's what I loved about, that was the one thing, like I would tell kids when I was coaching baseball about Hunter Pence. It's like, look at this guy. He's goofy. He runs funny. He swings funny. But if he hits he, the ball. He doesn't wear batting gloves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's an odd duck, but guess what? Yeah. He busts his ass and that's what gets him where it's at. And I think that people don't see, and that's kind of what, I'm kind of leading into is that people yeah. see where you're at now. People see where I'm at now. Um, you know, obviously I, I would say that in the podcasting world, you're just a little bit more successful than me, but I started down low and you started down low and you made mistakes and you had failures and, and it didn't just turn into this. Yeah. You know, well, I think it's interesting. Like I'm a baseball super fan. So I compare everything to everything to sports. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with, um, you know, he was my favorite player when he played for the Yankees, Nick Swisher. I had a conversation with him last oh, year yeah. and uh, he's a guy like always works hard, always positive. Um, his dad, Steve, was a was a first round pick, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals in the 70s. And uh, so Nick coming out of high school, like he thought he was going to be like, you know, his dad was drafted in the first round. Why wouldn't he be? Right. And guess what? Nobody picked him. Nobody picked him out of high school. So he was his, like, his whole world blew up. And yeah. his dad said to him, all right, you're going to quit or are you going to figure this out? And uh, Nick ended up working his ass off and then becoming a first-round pick after four years at Ohio State University. But, like, dude, sometimes you need to be right. humbled a little bit. Yeah, I love Nick Swisher. I, I watched him play. So I, I was at a game when he was on the A's. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's an awesome dude. That's awesome. He just has fun playing the game and he like he heart and soul in the field every single game, man. Like that that's how people should play. Yeah, and it's funny because you think about like I when you talk about being a Yankees fan, like I always think about all the fun being taken out of it when you become a Yankee because like Swish was long hair, big beard. Yeah. He goes to the Yankees like boom, what Mutton happened? To that guy? <laughs> yeah. He's gone. Where'd he go? 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, and and so let's talk a little bit about what you got going on now because you have your own media yeah. company. You said you wrote a book. How many books have you written? Is it just the one, or do you have a couple? This, this is my this is my first. It took me a long time to to kind of get to this point because, and I'm a big believer. If you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. Right. So like this was the I finally got to the point where I thought this needed to be done. You know, like it'd been done a lot, but uh, I was very very excited about like having a unique viewpoint on it. And I've gotten to speak to a lot of really cool people, you know, like Nick Swisher, like Johnny Damon, um, uh, you know, Hall of Fame basketball players, baseball players, uh, Brian Dawkins, really cool guy. So yeah. I got to like learn from a lot of these really cool people. And I'm like, you know, like if you look at it, the biggest thing about them is they bust their ass. Right. They work hard. And I think a lot of people think that you know, like, as I said, you, you look in the mirror and you're saying going to be successful and you work a little bit and you're going to get there. And it's like right. for a lot of these guys, like they're watching film when you're sleeping, like like Luke Keekley that used to play for uh, the Carolina Panthers. His first three years in the NFL after coming to Boston College, he didn't have a TV in his apartment. Why? Um, because he would have his laptop open watching film all the time so he could see right. plays before they're going to happen. And I think that's the biggest thing is I wanted to show people is it is about hard work and consistency and sure making your oper own opportunities, right? You, you need to make those sometime, but we also need to be prepared when that opportunity comes. Uh, there's an Abraham Lincoln quote where he says, I will prepare my day will come. You don't know when it's going to be right. Like you don't know when yeah. it's going to happen, but if you're not ready, you're going to miss it. And what if you can only get one of those shots in your life, then it's over. So I think it's about, you need to show people it's about hard work, it's about consistency, self-education um, right. and, and really understanding as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to see, six months ago, six weeks ago, six weeks from now, and six months from now, all at the same time, because you need to be able to think with how am I going to grow this company? So I, I wanted to be able to share that with people. Yeah. So what's, so tell us what the book is called and where we can find it. Yeah, it's called Unremarkable to Extraordinary, um, and they can get it over at getextraordinarybook.com. Um, so a lot of really, really cool stuff in there. And I tried to keep it concise. So it's only 168 pages. Um, and we've gotten some incredible feedback about it. So I'm just really excited to get it out there. That's awesome. That's a, that's a short, that's a very short read, but the fact of the matter is like we were talking about, you know, you, you mentioned Dale Carnegie, um, Napoleon Hill, Gary Veed. I mean, there's all these people that people read those books when they're going somewhere and they're trying to figure, they're trying to figure it out. Like you talked about self-help motivation, you know, that kind of type of situation, but in reality, they are good reminders if you needed to hear it more than once, but at some point you have to do the work and, you know, yep. that's, that's really what it boils down to. Absolutely. So where do you see, what's, what's going on with you in the future? Where do you see this going? I mean, you're obviously doing pretty well. You're successful. You wrote a book. You've got a really good podcast. Um, where, where do we see this going? Right now, um, we're working on some some other stuff behind the scenes with the book, which I'm I'm really excited about, and we're gonna talk about that probably in another like thirty to sixty days. So that's cool. So really, I just focused on that, focused on growing the brand. Um, you know, I got two little girls, so you know, uh, my wife and I are just having as much fun with them as possible. Um, we live on, I wouldn't quite call it a farm, but it's kind of a farm. You know, we have uh, thirty chickens, bunch of roosters, uh, pig, all that fun stuff. And, you know, we're, we're teaching them responsibility by having them feed the animals and, you know, handle some bumblefoot. And we had to cut down a tree that fell in the barn yesterday. So it's like, you know, just living life and, and, and trying to set the best example I can. That's awesome that you're live. So you're, you're sharing that type of stuff with them. Did you kind of, did you grow up on acreage or were you like in the middle of the city or is this something that? 
so I've grown up in like when people think of New Jersey, my experience isn't what most people think of New Jersey. They think of yeah. like, you know, Jersey City and like, you know, Jersey Shore. And it's like I live in the side where it's kind of like living in Pennsylvania or Ohio. Uh-huh. Um, like it's it's very rural around here. Um, I, I didn't grow up on a ton of acreage, but every weekend my dad had me working on um, his best friend's farm. So I was, you know, cutting hay, you know, planting stuff. So it's like it's been. I was raised and I think it's good to have that responsibility. He had me, he had me have a paper route at 11 years old. So it's like, I've always had hard work as part of how I was raised. Right. It's just, it's awesome. Cause like I, I grew up on a six acres, you know, we didn't have like animals or anything like that, but we lived, we had six yeah. acres and we were out doing stuff, building fence and, you know, we had sheep and stuff like that. We'd do 4-H and things like that. But I moved away. I'm like, I hate this. I don't want to live because we were like seven miles away from town and I wanted to go play yeah. basketball or I wanted to go to practice or whatever. I'd have to drive. It was so far to drive. It wasn't that far. And and now <laughs> living in the city, I'm like, that's it. We're buying a, we're buying property with acreage because I'm tired of this. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I don't want to touch the houses next to me. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting though, because I think like, you know, as a kid, you're kind of like, oh, I want the, you know, the big lights and the city and everything else. And I was kind of like, life changed and you become more into like a family you're kind of like i get why my parents did this like i think like you, yeah. you kind of get to a certain point where you, you look at that you know right man it's it's been awesome having you on here um you know i is there where's the best place to find you is it your website is there um where do we want to direct they can, people they can check me out over at commandyourbrand.com um or if they are really interested in learning more about kind of the podcast space and how they can get a lot out of that. We put together a really great white paper for them called the seven reasons you're not getting featured in your favorite podcast. And they can get that over at crush it on podcast.com. And if they do podcast or podcasts, it'll still work. So crush it on podcast.com. That's awesome, man. Well, Hey, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy the conversation. I think, you know, we kind of got off to, um, it's been, it's been a few, uh, I haven't done a podcast I haven't done an episode in like two weeks. So I was like, oh man, he's probably like, I'm botching the interview. <laughs> but no, we, I, I actually see, I enjoy when, cause here's the thing is I have a tendency to like, you show me a rabbit hole. I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. Right. So I, I like it when a host isn't like, no, 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 get away from the rabbit hole. I enjoy the rabbit hole. So like you, you let me do some rabbit holes today and I had fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, and I definitely would like to have you back on and, you know, six, seven months or six months to cool. a year or something like that and see where you're at because this is, it's, I love the, I lo- the path is similar. You know, I'm at a different end of that than you are and, and I can't wait to get where you are and, and see where you are. Well, man, well, thanks for having me. Yep. All right. Well, everyone, I wanted to say thanks again to Jeremy. Go ahead and follow him, check out his book. It's, I'm, I'm going to get that right away here and see what, see what you got there because I want to read it. It's 168, 168 pages. That's a shorty, so we can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, until next time, everyone, I wanted to say thank you. I challenge you to find the shape of your success. 